The Dugout CEO Podcast is on the air. I'm Phil Van Horn, baseball lifer and fan of the Dugout CEO. Each week, Casey Cavell goes around the horn with baseball superstars, Hall of Fame coaches, and business leaders who've used baseball experience to win the game of life. Now batting, Casey Cavell. Dugout Nation, welcome to the Dugout CEO Podcast. Fired up about today's show with former big leaguer Brandon Beachy. Brandon wasn't a highly sought-after high school or college prospect, but that didn't deter him from making it to the big league and having a really successful career. Brandon shared some awesome stories from Bobby Cox, Chipper Jones, and discussed the business that he started after he retired from baseball. He also digs into some of the work that he does as a franchise consultant with FranChoice and helping others learn about getting into business for themselves. Brandon, welcome to the Dugout CEO. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you're an Indiana guy. I'm an Indiana guy, and I figure, you know what? We're both baseball guys. Let's talk about all things Indiana baseball business and uh, just make it happen. Does that uh, sound like a good plan? Sounds great. Yeah, let's go. All right, so you were Indiana High School superstar, and then you turned into Indiana Wesleyan superstar, and I'm an NAIA guy, and I have a fond appreciation for small college baseball in a climate that it's typically 30 to 40 degrees. So talk to me about growing up playing baseball in Indiana, because I was a Florida guy originally. My parents moved moved me to Indiana in third grade and grew up playing baseball in Indiana. So what was it like being a baseball guy in Indiana? Yeah, well, uh, I mean, as you know, a baseball guy in Indiana is a, you know, a four month window type of thing. So, you know, I was a a baseball guy in so much that, you know, I couldn't play basketball year round and I wasn't good enough to play basketball year round uh, and ended up being way better. You know, God had his way of limiting, you know, the cap on what I could ever do in basketball. But, uh, but yeah, no, baseball is great. You know, one thing about playing baseball in Indiana is you get good at, at other things like scraping ice off the field, um, you know, before the game and, and do, doing little things like that to be able to play the game that, that most people wouldn't even think of. They didn't grow up in, you know, the North or the Midwest. Sure. It definitely makes you appreciate it when you actually get on the field and play. So. So let's talk about your journey from, you know, growing up, playing Little League, playing high school, and then journeying to Indiana Wesleyan. Talk to me about why you picked Indiana Wesleyan, a little bit, a little bit about your experience there. Yeah, I, I was, you know, definitely a late bloomer, you know. Um, so I, I, wasn't, I wasn't big. I wasn't strong. I was really slow. Um, and I didn't pitch. I didn't pitch from the time, you know, I got to the big field at 13 until really – my senior year of high school, I, I threw, I don't know, 20 innings out of relief or whatever. Um, had no idea what I was doing, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I could hit, I could play defense. Um, I wanted to play and, but again, you know, most of the bigger schools, they're signing guys that sophomore junior year. Um, and I, I was again, late, late bloomer. So I, you know, my high school coach, Ryan Berryman, he, he helped me, you know, get in touch with some schools. And I had some smaller D1s that, that it, you know, would have let me walk on. Um, but, you know, Mark DeMichael over at Indiana Wesleyan, he, he saw me um, looking at another guy the year before. 
and you know we kept in touch and they offered me a scholarship and with my academic stuff it basically gave me a full ride to go to you know a good christian private school um and a chance to play right away so so i i couldn't pass that up yeah that's what you know coaches when they would recruit me they said you know would ask what position did you play and i said i play every position but the bench i just wanted to get into the game and i think that's unique jumping into indiana wesleyan you got to play right away so Talk to us about your career there. You, you played there, and then you ended up transitioning to professional baseball. Talk to us a little bit about that journey. Yeah, so I, I came in as a first baseman, third baseman, and, you know, I, I, I saw the field. I DH'd, played a little bit everywhere as a freshman. Um, I remember that fall, you know, I had, I had thrown a little bit, and um, I played Legion ball, um, that summer, the summer in between, you know, high school and college. And the pitching coach uh, was Pat Underwood, who's, uh, I think he was former number one overall pick out of Kokomo, Indiana, my hometown. Um, and his son, his son was my age. And, and, uh, and he gave me some pointers and I, I ended up being the closer for that summer, summer league team. And, um, and it was fun. Again, it was nothing I, I, you know, cared about or, you know, focused on, but just, Hey, this kid's got a good arm. Um, so I came in that fall and I, I, I saw our relief pitchers and, you know, I didn't know what to expect coming into an NAI school. And we had a lot of guys throwing 80 miles per hour in, in the bullpen. And I told my coach, I said, Hey, you know, I pitched a little bit, you know, over the summer. I, I mean, if you need another bullpen arm, I'd, I'd be happy to help out. Um, again, kind of like you're saying, as a way to get on the field, be more involved as a freshman. I, you know, I knew I, I could play, but I, I wanted every opportunity to see the field. Um, so I, I think I threw 15 innings out of the bullpen that, that freshman year. Um, but I got better as I went and then, uh, you know, kind of served as our, our closer the next couple of years with a, with a few starts mixed in that were, you know, really, put a magnifying glass on the fact that I had no idea what I was doing on the mound. So those, those did not go well. So when um, did it click where you were like, you know what, I'm actually pretty good at this thing and I could make this potentially a, into a career opportunity. Was there like a, a game or a scout or talk to me about that? Um, you know, there was def definitely, never a moment in college where it clicked that, Hey, I've got a chance to do this professionally. But, um, a, a teammate got me, you know, he played in the, the Virginia Valley summer league the year before. And his coach called him up and said, Hey, you got anybody there that's good enough to come play for us. And he told him about me. Um, and I said, yeah, that'd be awesome. I'd love the opportunity to do that. Um, so I went there and I, I called the coach, you know, I was a, you know, 300, 325 hitter in NAIA with, you know, not a hundred home runs. So I knew at that point, like, Hey, I, I'm not going to be a professional hitter. Like it's not going to happen. Um, but you know, I, I, I could touch 90, you know, I could get into the low nineties. So, I mean, there's, if you've got that, you, you've got, you know, the potential to grow into something that you could see on a, on a major league field. Um, so I told the coach, said, hey, would, would you mind if I just pitched, if I just come out there to pitch this summer and just just give it a shot, just try it? And he, he was, you know, happy to do that for me. I got there, um, 
through. And I mean, within the first week, the pitching coach said, Hey, you're going to be our closer. Um, and it was going well. I think that I made, I made the all-star team in that, in that league, um, you know, playing, playing a lot of D one guys and the you know, best talent I had been around at this point. And I was, you know, feeling good. It's like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing okay. Like I, I'm figuring a few things out here. Um, and then, and then, uh, later in that summer is when uh, a scout from the Braves came up to me after the game, um, when we were cleaning home plate and said, Hey, you know, come over here. He said, Hey, uh, did you get drafted this year? Cause if you did, I can't talk to you. And I just, I kind of laughed in his face. I was like, no, no, I, I definitely didn't get drafted. Um, and then it got a little more serious because the next thing he said was, hey, I saw you throw tonight. And if it were up to me, I'd sign you right now. Um, and he said, well, my boss isn't going to let me do that. Is there any way your coach would let you throw again tomorrow? Um, coach came over and he's like, yeah, I mean, I'll pitch him again right now if that's what you want to see. And, uh, you know, so he came back the next the next night and uh, I threw another inning and and uh, off I went to Danville, Virginia to to, to meet up with the Braves rookie ball team that next day. And at that point it, it came as a total shock to have the opportunity to play pro ball. And, um, but it still didn't seem like, you know, my thought process at that time was if I can get them to agree to pay for my last year of school, then I have to take this opportunity um, just to say that I did just to, just to try Um but it, it never crossed my mind that it was going to work out, you know? Yeah. And it did work out. Uh, obviously a fantastic career. You battled through a lot of adversity. Um, for the people listening, you can't see the background, but he's got a Bobby Cox jersey back there. Um, I'm a big Bobby, Bobby Cox fan. You actually had an opportunity to play for him his final year. What was he like to play for, um, you know, as a player? Yeah, so he, he was, man, he – everybody knows these kind of people in, in their life where it's like, man, there's this just really successful guy. And, and, you know, he goes to your church or you see him somewhere and they just make you feel special when you're around them. You know, they just have that quality. I, I remember the first, the first time I met him was down in the instructional league in 2009 after that season. Um, you know, and I had played in, in low A and high A at this point. And uh, I was sitting there with, you know, he's, he's in his golf cart over there behind a fence. And one of the, one of the minor league coaches said, hey, you know, to the guy next to me, hey, go, go take Bobby a, a cup of water. Um, go offer him some water. And the other, the other guy was, I can't remember who it was, but he's like, no, no. He was too nervous, didn't, didn't want to do it. And I said, I'll do it. And I went, I went and got a, got a cup of water and I went over and, and, and offered him the water and he, uh, and he kind of lit up and he, and he said, he said, you know, thank you and called me by name and knew who I was. And that, that like, you know, blew me away. Um, and it just made me feel so special, you know, and then, and then a year later, you know, I'm getting called up in a, in a division race in, in September and, you know, he, he brings me the ball and, you know, says, says you got, and just made me feel like, you know, the, the nervousness was gone because I could tell how much he believed in me in that moment. And it's, you know, it's just one of those guys, if he believes in me, how could I not believe in myself kind of, kind of thing. Did he do or say something specifically that made you think, Hey, this guy believes in me. 
it, it's just just the way he delivers everything, and and it just just this this calm confidence. You know, I can't remember the exact words he said, but you know, he, I mean, he told me, you know, that I was that I was going to do great and just just go out there and just do what I've been doing. Amazing. I've heard similar stories too from other pitchers. I got a couple of buddies that had an opportunity to play as well, and you hear the same thing over and over again. And it's amazing that he's able to like. Yeah, because you're coming up as a rookie, you're kind of nervous, but he just figured out a way to calm your nerves and let you know, like, you got it. Amazing. Yeah. What other uh, experiences, uh, you know, playing for the Braves or the Dodgers, um, you know, that kind of come to mind that were um, cool things for our listeners to um, hear or things that you learned while being a Major League Baseball player that you think could be an encouragement to others? Man, um, you know, some some of the cool things just just being around guys that were you know the best in the world at what they did and just seeing how they go about their their work you know chipper was really good to me when i came up to um you know he uh i tell this story he had blown out his acl i believe in 2010 before i came up and i i made my first two starts on the road um so he wasn't there he wasn't traveling so i hadn't even met him yet and we get home in that first day um you know, he comes into the clubhouse and comes right over to me and introduces himself um, as if I don't know who he is and uh, and tells me, you know, he, he watched every pitch of those those first two starts I made and said I did a great job. And he said, you know, you know, if you've got some time later, I'd love to, you know, talk to you about it and give you, you know, what, what I saw from from a hitter's perspective. And I was like, yeah, I think I can make some time later um, for that, you know. Um, so that, that was pretty cool. And then, you know, and, and he gave me some insights and just, just his, his wisdom and his knowledge of, of baseball was, was, you know, mind blowing. And, and he told me, he told me in that moment, he said, Hey, um, you feel free to come, uh, you know, sit in and listen to, to me or any of the other hitters talk whenever you want. And I took him up on that over the next few years and he was always so gracious um to 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 do that he let me sit in but then he would go beyond that and he would you know it'd be three hitters sitting there talking about something and then he would you know pause and turn to me and be like you know and this is how this relates to you like if i were you i would do the you know x or y um in this type type of scenario and you know those things things were were very special to me he's just a, a a great teammate um you know i guess some of the other things that that stand out in my career, you know, not, you know, on the not so positive side that I, that I took away and learned is just that, you know, the, the resiliency being, being able to go from, you know, scared and unsure to, you know, go climb all the way up to being extremely confident in what I'm doing, where I, where I felt like I belonged to have all of that, you know, shattered through injuries and go all the way back down and just kind of learn that, um, you know, no matter what walk of life you're in, you're going to ride that roller coaster at some point where there's going to be, you know, extreme highs and extreme lows and, and figuring out that, you know, no matter how good or bad it is in that moment, you know, if I stay kind of, you know, somewhere in the middle and, and just, you know, have that, that rock and who I am that, uh, you know, I'm going to keep moving forward and things are, things are going to be okay and work out. 
That's great. So let, let's talk about that transition from baseball to business. So how did you realize, hey, you know what? It's time for something new. And then talk to us about that transition. Um, you know, I didn't know. I, I, I mean, I knew, but I, I was scared. I, uh, I should have walked away. It's easy to say now I should have walked away after the 2016 season, but, uh, you know, doctors were telling me, you know, this, this is, this is wrong and giving me a logical explanation for why the arm keeps breaking down. So, you know, do this surgery and it'll, it'll kind of fix it. You got a path forward. Um, I didn't believe it. I, it, it made sense to me, but I didn't believe it, but I was scared of what to do next. I, I had no idea. Um, so I, so I kept plugging away, uh, and I wasted three, four years rehabbing and, and trying to make comeback attempts through the minors and indie ball. Um, so the, the transition was hard just because it, you know, I didn't realize how wrapped up into, into that I had become and, and that, you know, at this stage in life now, it's kind of, I can't go back and do the things that I, that I wanted to do out of college or I'd planned to do now that I'm in my thirties and have children, you know, it's, uh, it's different, but ultimately I, uh, I, I met someone I was connected to somebody through a friend that, uh, taught me about franchising and, uh, and showed me, you know, cause it, baseball is very structured and hierarchical. And I kind of assumed everything in life was the exact same way. Like, hey, you're going to start at the bottom. And if you're good, you're going to work your way all the way to the top to have success at the top. Um, and through franchising, it, it, it was uh, it, it became pretty apparent to me right away that I could take a lot of the things that I had gained through a decade plus in professional baseball that don't necessarily show up on a, you can't write on a resume, like, you know, my, my hard work being a, a self-motivated, resilient, um, being a teammate and a leader, somebody that, you know, as athletes, we spend every single day with 25 to 30 other personalities in the room for eight plus hours a day, just existing, living, traveling. And, and that's, that's no, that's no easy task sometimes and being able to, to maneuver through that and, uh, and, and learn how to treat certain people differently to get the best result out of everybody is, is a very valued skill. Um, again, that is not something that shows up on a resume necessarily, but I, I, I quickly realized that all of those things could be applied to franchising and in business where, Hey, I'm coming into a, a system that's set up proven and really all those intangibles are what I, you know, a little capital. And then those intangibles are what I need to apply it to, to, to achieve success and kind of skip that, that ladder, those, those bottom runs potentially if, if I do it well. So people hear the word franchise, Hey, I own a franchise or McDonald's. It's a franchise. Like how would you define what is a franchise? And let's talk specifically about what you do in that realm. Yeah. So, you know, at this point in my life, all I knew of franchising was McDonald's, Taco Bell, Papa John's, fast food. That's, that's really all I knew of franchising. Um, and yeah, my eye was open. Eyes were open pretty quickly. Everything is franchised. You're, you know, if you're having somebody come check out your, your gutters or your siding or anything on your home, 
the home service industry is, I mean, most of half of them are franchises, um, you know, fitness studios, everything you, you know, driving down the street, strip malls are full of, you know, stores and, and, uh, you know, brick and mortar services that are, that are franchised out there. So I, I learned quickly, you know, what else was out there, the types of businesses and how there's, you know, a wide variety of setups. Um, and then, uh, yeah, so so what I do is I, I got into um, a franchise called Koala Insulation, home insulation franchise that I would have, you know, a decade ago, I would have bet my life savings that I would never be in home service or insulation. Um, but, you know, what I learned in researching it was, you know, this, the business itself is, is not as important as the goals that I have for myself, for what I want my life to look like and what I want to provide for my family. And if those boxes are all checked, then, then the business itself, um, through franchising can, can be achieved. And, and that's, that's what I, what I did. So I, I, uh, you know, I own the Nashville market in Tennessee for, for Koala Insulation and I built it up and within about a year I was able to uh to pull myself out of the day to day of that business and have, you know, enough enough money coming in to to pay managers and now, you know, I I work with those managers from from my home office here on a daily basis and you know, and I have that that freedom of my of my time which is, was a big goal of mine getting into it. I mean, I think that's awesome because you're like, Hey, insulation, are you passionate about insulation? Maybe you've became passionate about it over time, but you were really passionate about building a business that would serve your life and serve your family. And I think that's what a lot of entrepreneurs, Brandon, they, they're building these things, but they're like, they don't really know what is the end goal. Like, why am I building this business? Why am I doing what I'm doing? And ultimately it should be to serve your life. Now, what I think is really unique, where a lot of people, even in the franchise space, don't get to is they don't build a business that actually allows them to own it and not run it. How are you able to be a franchisee, but also build a team around you where you're not the one that's actually going in and doing the service or answering the calls or selling the next thing? Because I see so many business owners, they're stuck in the weeds running their business when really a business should provide a income or a return without your day-to-day -day involvement. How are you able to actually, after a year, you said, get out of running the day-to-day? -day? Yeah, and, and that's the key. I think that's that's most people's goal when they get into something like that. And um, it, it goes back to being in that locker room, you know, um, finding finding the right guys, the right personalities, the people that, uh, that see things the same way I do, that I can trust and get along with, and I enjoy talking to often. Um, and then finding ways to incentivize them so that they're they're on my team, you know, and and I can really view it as that. And you know, you know, like you mentioned, you know, insulation is not a sexy business necessarily, and that's not what I'm passionate about. But uh, but I don't have to be because I get plenty of fulfillment out of changing the lives of of the people on my team. You know, it's it's a service that the the homeowners that we serve, we help them. We we do a good thing, but I I definitely get more, you know, just just happiness and joy out of, you know, the the team I've built and and how 
how it's changing the course of their lives. What do you think that, you know, in baseball, you had your own niche, right? You had your own, hey, this was my special pitch. This is the thing that I did that was really um, set me apart. Running your business, what do you think that thing is that sets you apart from the majority of business owners and entrepreneurs? Um, I think the way I view things, the the big picture, the broad approach, um, and it's just a just very basic life principles, and you apply them to business, and don't be short sighted. It's you know, hey, we're going to provide services. We're gonna we're gonna learn our products and our industry to where we're offering the right thing, and we're you know charging the right amount for it. We're gonna do it right. When things go wrong, we're gonna take care of them. We're not gonna leave people high and dry, and and we're gonna we're gonna be honest and trustworthy and do the right thing, and that's gonna have a snowball effect. If we treat people, you know, our our guys go into every home as if it's a family member of theirs, and that. And treating them that way, um, you know, has an exponential effect to the growth of a, of a business over the over the long term. And how are you that's, able to? And, and how are you able to communicate that message to your team? Do you kind of have, hey, it's a pregame huddle, like you're in the locker room, or how do you communicate those values and what's important to your team? Um, you know, some some high level talks like that, but it's it's not a constant thing. It's more. Um, backing it up when, when things happen, you know, being, you know, when something goes wrong, um, fixing it and showing them like, here, here's how we're going to handle this. You know, we're going to take care of this person. We're going to do this thing. And then, and then kind of a little recap of it. Now, here's why we're doing it this way. You know, this, this person, you know, this, this is a small job. This is, this is not a vital thing to our business. But, you know, every person that we every interaction that we have could be a hundred thousand dollars worth of referrals or future relationships based on how we make them feel. You know, it just just that kind of that Bobby Cox, you know, effect where I, I want every person that that deals with our business to feel like, hey, we, we have looked out for them. We, we are instilling confidence in them, in us. And, and that's going to, you know, it's, it's going to multiply. All right. So Brandon, I know you said being your own boss, owning your own business, um, you know, allows you to do certain things. And you shared some challenges that you had with your family and your wife specifically. And if it wasn't for owning your own business and setting up your business where it didn't need you to run the day to day, there would have been some big challenges. So talk a little bit about some of these challenges that you've had um, and, uh, you know, how your business was able to kind of sustain you through it. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I uh, you know, was able to get that, that freedom of my time to figure out, hey, what, what else do I want to do? I want to do other things. And around that time, not long after that, you know, my wife got sick, unfortunately, um, and she's, she's doing okay and she's on the path to recovery now, but you know, it's been about a year and there were, there were weeks at a time where she's, you know, basically bed bound. Um, and with two little kids, had I gone into a different area, you know, I couldn't have had a corporate job. I couldn't have been doing, you know, medical sales or whatever else. They're not going to be like, oh yeah, yeah, take a month, take eight months. We'll keep paying you. Um, but fortunately, you know, I had the right people in place and the team in place and the freedom of my time where, 
really my my business expanded in in you know because I really wasn't absent. I'm still talking to my managers on the phone uh, for a couple, an hour a day or so and and handling the the big picture things while being able to take care of my wife and my kids. Um, you know that luxury and that that freedom I just couldn't have had anywhere else. So I'm I'm really really grateful and thankful. And there's there's just there truly aren't very many other you know things you could be doing other than than working for yourself and building something for yourself that allows that freedom when you know when things are good you, you know you can fill that time with with other things um, and when things are bad you know that that the ability to be there was really a blessing for me and my family. Yeah, and I think I want to challenge our listeners with what if somebody got sick what if you couldn't work for a month you know what if you're right an employee of a company is not going to have a lot of um grace typically from a boss if it's hey i need to take three weeks off i need to take a month off either they're going to get terminated or they're going to go without income and a lot of people can't go without income and i heard this the other day is if you're a top performer in your company maybe you're not the owner but if you're a top performer look at something Look at a side hustle. Look at something that you can maybe be your own boss one day, own your own business. And then when you do, figure out a way to build something that generates money and income without you because yeah, your kids get older, they have activities. You don't want to miss games, right? Somebody gets sick, you want to be there. You got aging parents, you know, you want to be there. And I think owning your own thing, but also owning your own thing where you're not having to run it is really important. And I know you were talking to me about your journey of all right, you're in one thing, but maybe you want to transition to something else or the thing that you're in isn't working or you want to build a business or whatever. So talk to me a little bit more about your franchise consulting business and helping whether it's former athletes that are transitioning out of baseball or it's a, a person that's been a you know executive at a business, but they're wanting to own their own thing. Talk to us about that a little bit. Yeah, so, um, you know, back to my limited, very limited knowledge of what franchising was before I talked to somebody, you know, I knew right away in that conversation, I think this is right for me, but also I want to do what this guy's doing and help others that are in my same shoes. So yeah, after about a year, I was able to, to go through training with, with a company and, uh, and be able to do that. Um, and yeah, it's, it's really just, it boils down to the process is kind of like we talked about earlier. Just figuring out like, hey, I'm going to do some education through talking to you for a few calls, a couple hours where where you're going to learn more about about franchising. Um, and then we're going to we're going to really get down to, hey, what, what are your what are your strengths and weaknesses? What are your likes and dislikes? Um, what are your goals? What, what do you want your day to day to look like in you know tomorrow, five years from now? All of those things. And through that, we'll kind of build a model of what, what you want things to look like. And then I'll go behind the scenes and I'll find, I'll find some businesses that can fit that model that have the potential to, to be a path towards that. Um, and then I'll, you know, I kind of help people through the investigation process with those two after connecting them to those businesses. So anybody that's currently looking for an opportunity, Hey, I want to be my own boss. I want to own my own business. They're in something now or they're looking to jump into something. They contact you and you just get to know them, understand what their vision is and what they're looking to do, and you match them up. Is that how it works? 
That's that's exactly right, and it's a it's a completely free process too, which uh, is pretty hard to find anywhere. Um, but yeah, the, the the candidates that I work with, they pay me nothing, um, and uh, it, and it's not something you, you don't have to be a millionaire to to get into your own business either. You know, there's there's plenty of models where if you have you know fifty thousand dollars, you know, capital, you, you can you can invest in in a new business. Um, you know, and then there's obviously all the way up to, you know, you can be Shaquille O'Neal and buy 40 Papa John's and, you know, build an empire, too. So any anywhere in between. Got it. All right. So let's go to our last segment, Chin Music. So first, was there a batter that jumped in the batter's box when you were pitching that you were like, oh, boy, I can't wait to go after this guy? Was there somebody that you really just love going after? Oh, man. Um You know, uh, I, I, there's a couple that come to mind, you know, getting in, standing on the mound with Albert Pujols, who I looked up to so much as he steps into the box. That was that was kind of a surreal moment where that was one of the very few times where I feel like I I kind of came out of that that zone and and like understood what was happening. Um, you know, that that was pretty cool. Did you um, did you ever knowingly say, you know what, I need to back Albert up a little bit and own this play? Did you ever throw one up and into him? Do you remember? <laughs> you know, there there was a there was a pitch. He he called a timeout uh, in in my windup at the beginning of my windup, or, or you know, and the umpire gave it to him, and I I might have been in the might have been in the stretch had to have been. Um, and at the time there, there was something I did where, you know, somebody told me, Hey, if somebody does that, don't stop, just throw the ball. Don't hurt yourself or anything by stopping. So, so I had made the habit of when that happened, I would launch one 20 feet up the, the net behind home plate. And I, and I did that to Albert and I don't think he liked it. Um, it wasn't over his head necessarily. But, uh, you know, he just gave me a, a funny look and then he flew out to center field and he was saying some things in Spanish to me on his way back to the dugout. Um, but, uh, yeah, I didn't go up and in, but I, I think I got under his skin a little bit. We got to figure out a way to find that video and put it in the show notes. Um, so you gave him a little bit of chin music per se. So we like to have a segment here, Chin Music. Just anything that you really want to leave Dugout Nation with, our audience. You know, everybody on this call, they're a leader. They're leading their families. They're leading their businesses. They're a coach. Anything that you're like, hey, you know what? This is the one message that I want to give to uh, everybody listening. Man, that's tough. I don't, I don't have uh, any, you know, succinct nuggets of wisdom per se. Um, you know, I, I just you know, back to going through my transition um, through injuries and, and all of that. It's, you know, hey, if, if you're if you're solid in, in, in who you are at the core and, and what you believe in, then, you know, the highest of highs or the lowest of lows can, can really only move you so much. You know, you can stay stay right there and stay true to yourself and, and, and keep looking forward. And, you know, because there were there were some times where it was, it was pretty dark, you know, as I'm trying to figure out what's next, but I never, I never, you know, wavered too far. And I always knew who I was at my core and, uh, and, you know, not being a baseball player anymore doesn't change any of that. 
and, and who I am and how I, you know, treat, treat people on a daily basis. So good. Well, good deal, Brandon. Well, thanks for being a, a guest. Where would our audience go to learn more about you, get in contact with you? Um, you can, uh, you can find me on, on LinkedIn. That might be the easiest, or, uh, you can email me at bbeachy at franchoice.com. You know, you can also find me on, on franchoice's, uh, you know, website. I'm on there and meet the consultants page. Um, yeah, reach out, send me a message on LinkedIn. Be happy to, uh, to talk to anybody. Good deal. We'll put all of your contact information in the show notes, Brandon. And uh, thanks so much for being a guest on the Dugout CEO. Yeah, thanks for having me. Really enjoyed it. Dugout Nation, what an honor to spend time with Brandon Beachy. Really impactful lessons here. Here are my big three takeaways. The lesson he learned from Bobby Cox, show people that you believe in them. People need to know that they can do it. Oftentimes, people don't think they can. Sometimes they need a pat on the back or an encouraging word. And oftentimes, the right word at the right time can give people the fuel they need to win. Number two, build something that doesn't rely on you. Ask yourself the question, what if, what if something happened to you? What if you were unable to work? What if you had to spend time caring for a loved one? What if someone got sick and you were unable to do the amount of work that you do today? What would happen? Would you be okay? If you were an employee working for somebody else, would they understand? Do you have the right insurances in place to protect yourself in case something happens? And making sure that if you are your own boss, a business owner, ask yourself, can you remove yourself from the day-to-day -day operations of your business and know that your business isn't going to skip a beat without you? Look for ways to build a team around you that doesn't make you the person to have to get everything done. Number three, have a clear vision of what you want. With Brandon transitioning out of professional baseball, it was a big change. But once he got really clear on what was important to him, his family and his faith, he was able to build a business that served his life rather than a business that he had to serve. Thank you for joining us once more for another episode of The Dugout CEO. We want to get you the tips you need to become an MVP of what you do. Sign up for our Friday Focus newsletter and you'll receive a valuable tip each Friday morning to help you build the business and life you want. You can sign up by going to CaseyCavell.com or click the link in the show notes. And make sure to hit the subscribe button so you get notification on our next episode. And one way you can help us book more great guests like this is to please leave us a rating and honest review in the Apple or Spotify podcasting app. 